0: But we won't be in Second Peter today, we'll be in the next book, 1 John, uh, we'll be in chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And I'll be jumping around quite a bit with different scripture, but this is the main passage. So if you follow along, if you want to take notes, write down the addresses on the other ones, but just stick with me on this one here. So we're talking about being offended today. And offended means to be resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. Some synonyms for being offended are upset, hurt, wounded, insulted, aggrieved, and affronted. By a show of hands, however, how many of you have ever been offended? Okay, well, you guys are pretty honest. Everybody raised their hand that I could see. So everybody has, has been offended or suffered an offense or offended somebody. And sometimes it's not even intentional, but the, fo- the offense that we're going to focus on today is personal offense. When somebody offends you or someone that you're close to, and we've all been here. When my boys were younger, we had a great youth pastor, and my oldest son, Luke, informed me one day, hey, Pastor Matt's going to come hang out with me today. Well, when I heard today, I assumed it was that afternoon. And so that afternoon, I just happened to get on Facebook and was looking through my feed, and there was the youth pastor with a bunch of other kids. And I thought, oh, he slighted my son. That's not cool. So I texted him and told him how he hurt my feelings. And, of course, he didn't know what was going on because they were supposed to meet later on that night. And so, (laughs) yeah. And so I was offended because I perceived that he had slighted my son, but he hadn't. Thankfully, he was a big enough man to call and want to find out what's going on. And so we cleared the air, and that one turned out really well. I wish I could tell you that every time I was offended, it happened like that, but it doesn't always happen like that. I've handled some of them poorly in the past, and I'm sure you all have experienced that as well. But isn't it funny that we have the phrase, picking up an offense? So imagine, if you will, bags of stuff, that are our offenses. And we could put names on those. If I had a wireless mic that worked and I didn't want to mess with Nathan's because I didn't know if he breathed on his today, I would have props up here with bags that had names on them. And I pick some names out. And if your name happens to be mentioned, I didn't pick out anybody in particular, so don't be offended. But just think about this. Joe owes me money and he's never paid me back. He keeps promising, but I'm offended because he hasn't paid me back. So I picked that bag up and I put it over my shoulder. Fred acts like he's my friend, but he badmouths me to people when I'm not around. Well, I picked that one up too. Then um, you've got uh, Sam, he's my kid's basketball coach, and he doesn't like to play my son because he can't make a left-handed layup. So I picked that one up as well. And then finally, Amy did something wrong at work and she blamed it on one of my friends who's a coworker, And so he's taken all the heat for her mistake. And I'm offended about that. So you can see that's just four simple examples. And you, when those bags get heavy enough and you're carrying them around, you get more and more. It just weighs you down. It's quite a burden. But that's only four offenses. Over a lifetime, you can see where that'd be a lot. Jesus told us in Matthew 11:28. Through 30, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, it doesn't s- seem to me like those offenses that we're carrying around are an easy or a light burden. I believe God wants us to put them down. So, thank you. So, going into First John chapter 4. You're going to discover a pattern as we read through this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to, be, has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whomever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen." And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So this scripture tells us that God is love, and love comes from God. No one has seen God, but if we love God and one another, we reflect God to those around us. John says that God's love is made complete in us, which I don't know about you, but that's a tall order, that I help complete God's love, Love is our testimony and is a reflection of God in our lives. Notice at the end of this passage, John says, God has given us the command that anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now Jesus takes it a step further in Luke six twenty-seven 27-31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to give them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now John says here that we need to love our brothers and sisters. But Jesus raises the bar. And he says we even need to love our enemies. A few weeks ago, Pastor John... Not John that wrote First John, but John Madison, preached about praying for our enemies. And he alluded to the fact that enemies are strong, is a strong word. You know, most of us would think, well, I don't really have any enemies. I have some people that irritate me and that I don't really care for. But I wouldn't really call them my enemies. And I think John did a great job of really talking about those people that offend us and how we can make them into be our enemy and how we need to pray for them. But for this sermon, let's change that word in in the um, scripture from enemy to offender. So how do we love our offender? Many of us, including myself, might say that I don't hate my offender. They hurt me, but I'll just stay away from them. But Jesus told us to love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Well, God, is not me not hitting them doing good? I don't think that's the right answer. And you might ask yourself, well, what if I don't associate with them and I love them from afar? I'm going to put them over there. They hurt me or my friend and they aren't very nice and I don't really like them. If I leave them alone, God, isn't that a form of love? Well, let's look at the definition of love in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, Paul shares with us that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If the fact that God is love doesn't raise the bar, Paul sure sets it way up there. This scripture tells us what love is. I don't think, I don't see anything or hear anything in this scripture about avoiding people we don't care for. It says love is kind, patient, and it's not proud. That's a big one for me because offense comes from a place of pride. We don't want to be hurt because we're prideful, but love is not proud. Another one is that um, when it comes to offense is that love keeps no records of wrongs. What's another word for wrongs? You got it, offense. The thing that God wants us to see, and I know he wants me to see it because I'm preaching this again, is that when it comes to offense, we have to love. And then we have to love some more. And then we have to love some more. And then we have to love some more. We have to love past the offense because God is love and love never fails. So how do we love our offenders? According to the Bible, you should forgive and forget. Matthew 18, 21 and 22, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So, according to that, Revenge is not an option until they sin against you 78 times. So you better get your smartphone out to keep track of that because 78 is a lot. But let me share with you that some translations say 70 times 7. So that's even more. So you're going to have some big files on your phone if you keep track of that. That's that heavy burden that comes when you hoist those burdens on your shoulder. But Romans 12, 17, and 18 says, If someone has done you wrong, do not repay him with a wrong. Try to do what everybody, everyone considers to be good. Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. So that trans- ba- translates back for me to forgive and forget. But you're probably thinking, Mike, they wounded me, and it hurts a lot. It's not fair. It's easy for you to say because you aren't in my shoes. You can't feel the raw wound that is radiating pain right now. Or you don't know what they did to me and how awful it was. It does hurt. There's no doubt about it. When you get hurt by somebody, it's painful. A wise man once told me that this doesn't mean we don't recognize the pain or the hurt that it causes, but we forgive and we forget and we move on and we love. You can also confront your offender. The Bible tells us we can confront our offender or somebody who's offended. Matthew 18:15 says, "If your brother sins against you, go to him, show him his fault, but do it privately just between yourselves. If he listens to you, you have won your brother back." Matthew also says in verse 5 or chapter 5 verse 23 and 24, "Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother and sister or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled with them. Then come and offer your gift. And that's we've that's examining your heart before you do communion because that's a gift that we give we get from God. Is your heart in the right place? If you have an offense, we need to reconcile to get our heart in the right place. Both of these um, verses are commandments from Jesus. And this command is a tough. Is so tough, at least for me. If someone's hurt me, or you find out that you hurt someone, the last thing you want to do is talk to them. Because pride. Nobody wants to admit that they did something wrong. And so it's hard to go talk to those people. Many times people are unaware that they've offended us because it was unintentional. Or maybe we read more into the situation than actually was the case. How many friendships have ended because of offense that weren't reconciled? Sometimes we do something for someone without recognizing the impact to others. And I've had this happen to me and done it many times in my life. So, in my previous life, before I got into ministry, I was a a banker. And we lived in a small town of 2,500 people in an ag community. So, we did a lot of farm loans. And we went through a season where um, crop prices were down and our, far- our my, my farm customers were hurting. And in Texas where we lived, we didn't get a ton of rain. So it was really easy for the crops to not make. And so they needed crop insurance. Well, we had a company come in that had a new way to calculate crop insurance. And it was, looked like it was going to be a better product for our farmers. And so I thought, well, this is great. I'll be able to help my farmers out By showing them this new product. So we sent out letters and we were going to have this meeting with all our farm customers to come in. Well, a couple days after that letter went out, I got a phone call. And I had a business customer that I hadn't thought about who sold crop insurance in that town. And he was like, hey, why are you telling people to jump ship and go get their crop insurance from somebody else? It's going to devastate my business. I was like, oh, snap. Hadn't even thought of that. I was so worried about helping the farmers that I didn't think about how it would affect one of my business customers fortunately he confronted me on it and we were able to cancel the meeting and and he worked through some products that were similar to what these these folks were offering and so we we worked through it but thank goodness he was willing to call me and confront me because I hadn't realized I'd done anything wrong for him I was trying to help these other people so how would you react if you were the business customer in that story how would you react if you were me? I've been in both spots numerous times, and there's basically two ways you can react if, you know, if somebody's offended by you. You can either apologize and try to make things right, or you can deny that you did anything wrong. You can be prideful and, and, and not apologize. If you offend someone inadvertently, wouldn't you want to know that you offended them? Because if it's something that you can easily remedy, that's a that's that's not hard to do. But a lot of times people pick up that offense and they don't tell anybody, and you don't know. The really hard part is if the offender doesn't repent, and the Bible tells us not to repay with wrong, but to try to do good. It also tells us in Matthew 7, 12, So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Well, That's the golden rule. And the scripture points us back to how would we like to be treated. So the same measure that we judge people by will be used on us, which is another way to say, what would you have them do to you? In our fleshiness, this is really easy to read, but it's super hard to live out. We would rather be able to judge people without being judged. And we would really like to be treated great by everybody and not have to treat everybody so well. You know, I think about that waitress at the restaurant whose cooks are having a bad day and get your order messed up. And so what do we immediately think of? Well, there goes her tip. It's not her fault. We got to love them. We got to tip them. It's It's not our place to take offense, okay? By tipping them, even if maybe they're having a terrible day and by giving them a nice tip, maybe that's showing love to them. You can also love offenders by seeing God in them. A friend of mine, Ashley Montgomery Um, said one time, if Jesus could pray for those who were taunting him while he was dying on the cross for our sins that I committed, I can pray for my enemies. In Bill Johnson's book, The Way of Life, Bill talks about seeing God through the blood of Jesus. He says, because of Jesus's blood, we are made perfect in God's eyes. Most churchgoers know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. So who did God love? He loved the world. Who is his gift of salvation for? Was it just for the Jews? No. Was it just for Christians? No. Was it just for people that lived a good life? No. It's for everyone, even the bad people. And guess what? We're, We're all bad. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So it's for us. So... I'm gonna put a sidebar in here right now. Let me just add that we need to have extra grace from offense for the people that love us the most and that we're closest to. How many times have you ever had someone speak some harsh truth to you in love? It's super easy to get offended about that because of our prides. I hate being told that I'm wrong. And let me remind you that your spouse is not your enemy. They know us better than anyone, and sometimes they have to speak the truth in love. And it's hard to say, and it's hard to hear, but most of the time we need to hear those things. We need truth speakers in our lives that love us enough to tell us the hard things. And remember, love keeps no records of wrongs. And just as an example, Friday night I was with my bride and for whatever reason, I have the hardest time with went and gone. And I think that my wife has got it in her head that I'm just doing that to set her off. But I, I just haven't figured the trick out yet to do it right. But my wife is a truth teller. And so she says, nope, you got it wrong. And every time that happens, there's a part of me that wants to go, err. But she's speaking truth, and she wants me to be well-spoken, even though I am me. So uh, I appreciate that, because I need that truth spoken. And that's a, more of a comical issue, but, but we need that spoken into our lives. We all need to have people that can be honest with us and tell us the truth. So the best way to defeat offense is by loving people. God is love. Love never fails. John also tells us in 1 John 2, 9 through 11, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or a sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Lives in the light means to follow Jesus. Most of us know that because Jesus is the light of the world. Without Jesus, we're in darkness. And if you understand how light works, darkness is the absence of light. Light cuts into darkness. Darkness doesn't devour light. If Jesus is light, he isn't in the darkness. We have to be careful because the light of Jesus reflects off of us. But if we take offenses, you can think of offenses, I use the bag analogy, but you could also think of them like bricks. And if we continue to build up bricks of offense eventually we have a wall between us and the light of Christ so the light reflects off the wall of offense and not off the wall of us <clears throat> it separates us from God not that God has left us but we have separated ourselves from his light first john also told us that anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister we can't carry offenses So we have a choice. Do we carry our offenses or lay them down? It's a choice. What will you choose? Amen.